I'm Tess Vigland, and as we work, we need a break. I'm currently considering it because I'm finding myself in a career that I, I think has felt more like my backup plan instead of what I actually really want to do. I actually did just take a career break. Uh, I'm so much happier being back now that I've taken that break. I was overwhelmed. I felt unappreciated. But then the time off to think about it and all that time alone, I realized that I, I missed it. So I went back to work. This is As We Work from the Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. That was Bridget Linsenmeyer, Miles Purinton, and Shai Jackson. We spoke with them on the streets of New York City. Don't try to tell me you've never thought about it. You've never imagined what it would be like to step off the career hamster wheel. You've never dreamed about getting away from the grind for longer than just a vacation. No, of course you have. We all have. And we're here for you. We'll talk about how to plan for one, step away from work, and then successfully return. That's coming up. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. So for today's episode, I could have just interviewed myself. Sure, that would have been weird. But I did that thing that every worker bee that's ever lived wants to do. I went on a self-granted sabbatical. I'm not talking about paid leave for a few weeks or a month or two, not a vacation as I changed jobs. It was a career break, taking time away with no job waiting for me and no plan to return. For me, it started at the end of 2015. I just finished writing a book. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. I was in the middle of some other life transitions. And I thought, you know what? I might not find myself in this situation of relative freedom again until I retire. Maybe I should just take off. So I did. I packed everything into a storage unit in Los Angeles, bought a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia. I didn't know when I would be coming back. and. I didn't do much work while I was away. I did a lot of other things, but not a lot of work. I took a real-life, actual, honest break. Plenty of people thought I was bonkers to do it, to step away from the success and money and ambition. Heck, I thought I was a little bonkers. Would I ever be able to find work when I returned? Or would employers think I was a flake? But here I am, seven years later, I'm working, and I still think it's the best gift I've ever given myself. Now, today, career breaks are becoming even more common than when I did it, in part because of all the life reevaluation a lot of people did during the pandemic. In March of this year, LinkedIn even announced a career break category. Their drop down menu allows you to add 13 different reasons why you're stepping away from work. For some people, it's travel, some go back to school, some do it because of burnout, and sometimes, it's all of the above. We spoke with three people who've taken career breaks and come back. My name is Dave Cardi. Uh, I am the Chief Finance and Operating Officer of the Cadman School in New York City. 
I had a about a 13-year career in international sales and marketing. In 1997, I had twins and continued to try to do that job. Um, after two years of doing that, uh, yeah, we began to have serious thoughts about, all right, maybe one of us should stay home. Uh, but my wife at the time, she had a, a travel job as well. And mine was more global travel, so it seemed to make more sense for me to stop my job. Uh, so, you know, got rid of the babysitter, and I did it all. So, Shay Baker, I'm from Layton, Utah, and I'm the program manager for the Return Utah program, which is the first public career reentry program in the country. And I left reporting to be at home with my kids. I was a TV reporter and producer. I was really terrified to leave the workforce, to be frank with you. I just had my baby. I'd worked really hard to sort of get that reporter gig. And it was really difficult to be on those breaking news beats. And when I had dropped my daughter off at a babysitter at 9 a.m. and to try to stay past 11 p.m., like it just doesn't work. My name is Joy Ascent. I am currently living in Woodbridge, Virginia. And right now I am just coming off of a career break and I literally started my new job this week. I just needed to take time to breathe and exhale and get to know myself better and maybe get more clarity on what I would want to do next. I think it was the culmination of my whole work career and just going and going and going. According to a Manpower Group survey, 84% of millennials foresee a career break in their futures. And to get there, it takes money and a plan for life with less income. My husband, the month prior to me giving birth, he was given an offer for a new job that doubled his salary. So we didn't necessarily plan. We just knew, wow, okay, cool, we could do this. So when I relooked the budget, I figured out how we can shift some things to where my husband could cover it. Um, and again, even that required us to not be able to do some nice to do things, but my mental health and well-being was the trade-off. I would say among my friends, and maybe my close family members, I think it was a bit of a surprise that I wanted to stay home and that I wanted to leave a career behind because most of my friends and close family members know me as kind of a, an ambitious personality. You know, you, you tend to think, you know, you're a big deal. And then you leave that and suddenly, this is going to sound horrible, but you're nothing. And really, what is more important than, you know, staying home, taking care of your kids. And I remember the first time I felt like, oh my gosh, who am I? Um, I was renting a car and the guy behind the rental counter said, who's your employer? I remember thinking to myself, oh no, like who's my employer? I, I don't have an employer. Like who am I now? People thought it was crazy. I left the government with no job lined up. People were like, did you win the lottery? I was like, no, I have not won the lottery. I have no job lined up. I just know I want to be doing something different. My employees, coworkers, would come to me and kind of whisper and like, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. You're so brave to do this. I wish I could do it. So that was kind of encouraging to me. 
I knew I'd return to work at some point, but I, I had no idea what that would look like for me, which sort of prompted a bit of fear and anxiety because, you know, I had left the job that I had experience in and networking in, and I didn't know how I would return to work and pivot. My neighbor called me and the agency he works for, which is the Utah Department of Commerce, they were having a bit of a shakeup with their communications people. And he said, you know, I think you could add some perspective to my boss. She's looking at hiring some people with more of a media background. So he said, I'd love it if you'd speak with her. And I thought, well, okay. And I was making my then four-year-old daughter toast. And, you know, I think it was cinnamon toast. And I hand it to her and she said, oh, you can't even make toast right. And I was like, oh, I'm calling her. <laughs> I called her right away because I thought I would so love it if someone showed how much they appreciated my skills. I could make toast as well as the next person, but my kids could care less. I started getting very involved in my children's school, first as a volunteer. Then they asked me to run for the board. And then uh, very shortly, they asked me to be the treasurer of the school. So when it was time to go back, I was really a bit lost. Like, uh, I've been out of the workforce for 13 years. And then the head of school at the school where I had been doing all this volunteer work said, Dave, like, why don't you go back to work in schools? You've been doing it unpaid for 13 years. I no longer wanted to supervise people. I wasn't looking to be a director of anything again or being a senior level anything of anything. So now I'm just trying to find a job where I can work with great people, a great company and do great work and be able to keep the balance that I need to keep to avoid burnout. When I left work, there was no Facebook, there were no iPhones, Google was like brand new. That was the biggest shocker going back to work in 2012 was all of the office technology that I did not know how to use. I think you leave the workforce thinking, well, I'm now irrelevant. And that's not true because that life experience that you've gained is incredibly valuable. And that if you're within the right culture or with, if you're within a workplace that values life experience, that they see it as a value. They don't see you as less than. A big hurdle to get over is that notion that you have to pick one job or one career field and stay in it for the rest of your life and pick a job or a company and stay till you retire or die. And some people still have that mindset and think that it's kind of taboo to switch jobs. And I think in a positive way, that mindset has shifted for many people where they realize it's okay to have other options. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah, the mindset has shifted, but it's still a potentially risky move to take a career break. So we're gonna look at ways to make it a little less risky and find out how to get back in the game after stepping away. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. 
Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash WSJ. Honestly, one of the toughest parts of taking a career break is figuring out what to do after you decide it's time to come back. Will employers still want you? What kind of adjustments will you have to make? Do you even know what you want to do? Carol Fishman-Cohen has been helping people answer these questions for the last 15 years. She's the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, a career re-entry consulting company. She herself took an 11-year break from her corporate finance career in the 1990s to raise her kids. And now she counsels others on how to take that break and eventually return to the workforce without breaking their careers. Welcome to the program, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. We are now in this time of the great resignation. Are you hearing from more people these days about kind of how do I navigate a break? What, and, and, and what are they telling you? We have seen a wave of people uh, take career breaks during the pandemic. Uh, and there is thinking now about what does that mean? How do I get back in? And what kind of career assessment and thinking should I be doing when I'm making that decision? So even with people who took career breaks before the pandemic, uh, we've always heard, number one, that people's career breaks last longer than they anticipate. People think they're going to only be out a year or two. And then the next thing you know, it's five years have gone by or 10 years have gone by. And the other thing is that people don't usually allow themselves to step back and reflect on whether they were even on the right career path to begin with. And sometimes when you take the career break, it gives you that opportunity. Is it fair to say that historically, this kind of career break, uh, especially for anything but child rearing, has prompted maybe some rolled eyes, some tisk tisking? You know, I, I remember when I left on a self-granted sabbatical in 2015, people kept saying, but what about your resume gap? How are you going to explain that? Yes, absolutely. There, There is still a stigma attached to people who take career breaks, although it's uh, lessened. Uh, and LinkedIn did a survey where they said almost 60% still think there is a stigma attached to taking a career break. But they also had stats that said that job postings mentioning career breaks jumped 100% from 2018 until 2021. 100%. Wow. Yes. Part of that is career breaks are becoming a lot more common, and the pandemic did that for us. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the, the practical ways that people should prepare for a career break. Um, I will tell you, I remember my number one concern was money. <laughs> um, I right. wanted to make sure that, that I was going to be set to not, not have a paycheck for a while. What are some of the factors that should be front of mind before you step away? I'm really glad that you brought up the financial considerations because taking a career break requires financial planning. There's a very interesting calculator that people can use that was created by the Center for American Progress, and you can look it up. It's called the CAP Calculator, and it allows you to put in your current salary for different amounts of time, and it calculates all of your foregone 
earnings, making a whole bunch of uh, assumptions about social security and, and compounding and, and other factors. And it will quantify for you the cost of your career break for different lengths of time. So and I then say- you might just decide not to take one. <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I say go eyes wide open, but uh, there are some things that people can do while they're still working when they're anticipating a future career break. Number one is to start documenting the important milestone moments that you've experienced in your career so far. Because if you take that career break and you're going back later, your post-career break self is going to thank you for doing this exercise while you're in the moment. Rather than having to recreate them, keep in mind nurturing your relationships. Now, you know we're told this, nurture your relationships with your boss, with peers in your organization. But you should also nurture your relationships with people who are junior to you. They're going to be managers. Yeah, they're going to be moving up while you're on career break and they may be in a position to open a door for you. Those junior people can be very instrumental. So don't forget about them. Okay, so you have stepped away. You've taken a break. Do you still have to be kind of tending to your career while you're away? Uh, Even though that, that doesn't seem like it's really a true break then. I think it's realistic to allow yourself to take the break for the reason you have taken the career break. The idea that you have to strategize for getting back to work as soon as you take your career break, I think is unrealistic. I think people should break. Right. People should take their career break. And then there are stages that they can go through to get ready to relaunch their career when the timing is right. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that reentry. Uh, What's the first step when you are kind of on the precipice of returning to the workforce? What's the most important step to take first? The most important step is to figure out what you want to do all over again. And it's really hard because you have to spend time thinking about how your interests and skills have changed or have not changed while you've been on career break. That's going to drive what kind of jobs that you're looking for and which people you're talking to and really the story you're going to tell uh, to people in terms of why you're going back you're going exact, back to exactly what you left or you're going back to something related or something brand new. And the other piece of that is that decision uh, of what you're going to do drives what kind of upskilling or reskilling you mean, may need to do. And one of the things that's really important is to become a subject matter expert all over again. That is going to build your confidence. And it's also a great way to start a conversation with someone from the past where you don't want to start with, hey, can you help me get a job? You can say, you know, I've been out of the workforce for eight years and I'm really serious about getting back. And the first step I'm taking is I want to become a subject matter expert again. Can you recommend um, the top experts in the field? And that's a great question, an easy question for someone from the past to answer. And then you sort of rekindled the relationship uh, with that as a starting point. So then what about setting kind of your own expectations for how this process is going to, to look? What kind of results should you expect as you re-enter? How, how long does it take? Well, of course, that depends on a lot of factors, how long your career break is, whether you're going back to the same field that you left, what your network is like, or uh, how you can reinvigorate your network. So there are a lot of factors there, but relaunching often takes a lot longer than people anticipate. It could take a year. It could take longer. 
part of that is you have to go through all these steps, including that really hard one at the beginning uh, to figure out exactly what you want to do all over again. And that's time consuming. And when you go public with your job search, you have to expect that you are going to have a lot of conversations that don't go anywhere. Should you be ready for a salary ding? This is a great question. Uh, And in fact, there's a very active conversation among employers about level and compensation. Again, how long have you been out? Are you going into uh, a different field than what, what you left? A lot of people will come in lower than what they expected for a range of reasons that are outside what the employer is offering them. Sometimes the employer is being cautious because they want to make sure that the person succeeds. So they don't, they'd rather have them come in maybe at a slightly lower level than what they left if the career break has been a number of years um, and then move up later. And sometimes the person themselves is thinking, I want to do that. What concerns do employers have that you might find you need to address with them as you reenter the workforce? Number one is technological obsolescence. This includes people, of course, who are going into highly technical fields, engineering or IT, and also people who are going into non-technical fields, but still need to learn basic office management software or some sort of a proprietary system. The reassurance that an employer needs to know is that you're a fearless learner And you've already started working to update your skills in anticipation of relaunching your career. The other thing that uh, I think employers need reassurance about and that relaunchers are actually in a very good position to provide, they get worried about do relaunchers really know what they want to do? And there are some companies that actually have programs to help, right? Can you give an example of that? The returnship is a model of a career reentry program, an employer career reentry program that is very similar to an entry-level student internship, except it's tweaked for the mid-career professional. So it can last from eight weeks to one year. Most of them are 12 to 16 weeks. The roles are paid. And the idea is that you're immersed with a work team in this particular role for a period of time. Then a decision is made about whether you're going to quote, convert um, into an actual full-time role. They're a very successful model. These returnships have been running since 2008 when um, Goldman Sachs started the very first one. The conversion rate of people who complete these programs is over 80%. 80%. All right. So clearly the pandemic prompted a lot of people to, to rethink their careers. And for some, that, that means taking a break for a while. Do you think we're looking at this idea of career breaks differently now? I do. I I think the pandemic made the career break more commonplace, made people recognize the range of professionals who take career breaks and what that might look like. So we think there are going to be more career breaks in the future, not fewer career breaks. So it's really important for companies that decide to start these programs to understand that they're signaling to all of the constituencies of employees that work for them. Those who maybe have already left and who are now alumni who can come back through the program. Those who are currently working who might have a friend or relative who could be a good candidate for one of the programs. And those who are earlier in their careers who are anticipating that at some point they're going to take a future career break. And it's very meaningful for them to know that when they, if they take that career break, when they decide to come back, that they're own employer has a formal pathway back for them. 
Carol Fishman-Cohen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Maybe you've taken that career break, or maybe you've just been remote working for the last two years. Either way, if and when you do return to the workplace, you will face one of the inevitable truisms of every office ever. Annoying coworkers. We all have them. Maybe you are one. We'll get some tips on dealing with this often exasperating facet of office life. Stay tuned. And no, you cannot borrow my stapler again and leave it on the other side of the building. This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income and in portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. And finally today, our pro tip, work and life columnist Rachel Feinzig is with us, and we're going to talk about the co-workers who drive us nuts. Just kidding. There will be no airing of dirty Wall Street Journal laundry here. But we are going to get some advice for dealing with colleagues who often unwittingly make us want to run screaming from our desks. Rachel, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. So we're going to talk today about something that I'm sure has never come up around me or you, uh, but they're the Dwight Schrute's of the world, the, <laughs> the annoying co- co-worker. And, you know, they've existed forever, but some of us had a bit of a two-year break from the fish microwavers and loud talkers and meeting interrupters. And, and now, oh, oh boy, do you have some other examples? I mean, Tess, I, personally, I'm obviously a, a perfect office of course, mate. Of course. So, I, yeah. Did you say the nail clippers, the tappers, oh. or the the person who just kind of like runs to the printer in a panic, just spewing their own stress everywhere, and and you kind of catch it? But I mean, to be fair, like some of this <laughs> is because work has changed, and you know, maybe we do need to be making more personal calls from our desk. Maybe the standards mm. have shifted a little bit, but hopefully, we can figure out a way to do it without driving each other crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, really, two years can turn us into Neanderthals who've forgotten all the totally rules. Totally weird. So, yes, I had a professor <laughs> tell me that. Like, we, this is just what happens when you're on your own for two years. You develop these really non-normative habits that she said, they work fine in your house, but not fine out in public. All right, well, let's talk about some solutions here. Um, you have an annoying coworker. Again, not you, not me. What are some ideas for how to deal with some of those behaviors besides threatening to call someone's mother? So the first thing you want to do is, first of all, check that now is like an okay time to have this conversation. There's no point in catching them when they're super stressed or agitated because they're not really going to hear you in that same way. And then this, and this is, this is coming from an expert I talked to. You want to say something that's kind, but true. So if the person is talking loudly on a FaceTime call in the middle of the open office, you can say, I love your passion. You know, like I love how passionate you are about your work. And it would be so great if you could use headphones, throw out a a solution. And she recommends using and to tie those two things together because they can be true at the same time. You can love that, that passion. There can be a plus to whatever it is they're doing. Um, And they can also do something a little more considerate for everyone else around them. Okay. And I have to ask, what if you start to figure out that the annoying coworker is um, you? (laughs) 
<laughs> right. I mean, and it's probably all of us at some point, right? I mean, the first thing is IDing that. Like, how do you know that? And, you know, so part of the idea is just to be considerate. I mean, another part of it is like, you really may not know. And you can go to a colleague that you trust and say like, hey, I'm doing a little bit of an audit. Now that we're back at work, can you just like give me a heads up if I do something that doesn't strike you as super professional. Well, Rachel Feinzig of our life and work team, I find you perfectly lovely and <laughs> not annoying at all, except I think I could smell your lunch leftovers from across the country. So my, I have to tell you, my worst thing is that I just eat food at random times now. Like, you know, if it's 9am, I'm like last night's dinner. The biggest non-normative habit. This, this is why we're still remote, right? <laughs> yeah. No one wants to smell that. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Tess. The career break can happen at pretty much any point of your work life, early, mid, late. But one element of the typical career arc, by and large, happens only at the very end of it. Retirement. Hanging up your cleats, so to speak. The question is, what is retirement going to look like in the decades to come, and how do we prepare? Besides being financially ready, are we psychologically ready? Next episode, we'll look at what retirement and the loss of our work identities means for anyone who wants to keep those cleats a little bit messy. And before we go, we ask you all for your best piece of career advice. Here's one from Abby Renicky from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Confidence will likely ebb and flow. So this makes continuous learning very important. As you gain experience, you naturally uncover gaps in your knowledge, and this can make your confidence dip. An effective way to manage the fluctuations in confidence is to seek ways to continuously learn. We'll be sharing more of your advice throughout this season, so keep them coming. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Email us at aswework at wsj.com and let us know, or you can leave us a voicemail at 212 212- 416-2394. And any messages you do leave may be used in the podcast. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Amanda Llewellyn is our development producer. Scott Salloway is cool as a cucumber and our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton is our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Tess Vigland. See you next time. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.